Hello, Spacers. This is Atlas, Berserker of the Acers. I need the audience to share our story to anyone you meet. One, it'll increase my standing for promotion. And two, it'll help our group share our story through the planetary system. We love to see our supporters and backup from everyone who watches. I'll hand you over to Nathan. Hey guys, thank you for watching and supporting through following, subscribing, Patreon, and even just watching listening to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode, and make sure to leave any thoughts or questions in the comments. Until next time, Spacers. Thank you. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon-drawn map? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, that's my problem no more. Starlight Maps and Battle Mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki Battle Mats. From lavish palaces to cold alien caverns, they have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with erase markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And Battle Mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Want to know more? Go check them out, or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. Autobots, let's roll. <laughs> I might have just stolen that from Sam, but let's do it. Come on. Am I the only? Yeah. Okay. All Autobots, right. let's roll. There you go. Who can actually? <laughs> Never mind. I was gonna say who can do that, say that the best. But then I was like, that'll be really stupid if we all just go in a circle saying <laughs> it. Um. So let's. Autobots roll out. Oh. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was good. Autobots roll out. Autobots roll out. I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Dang. So that was me, your host, doing that. That was Sam playing Clive Jensen, who said the, the slogan. And that was Corny playing McKenna. And then we have the Scrooge, Nathan Koontz, also <laughs> like his character, the Scrooge Atlas, who wouldn't do it. That's okay, though. Atlas promised about, I don't know, 16 episodes ago that he was finally going to, he was, he was going to get to the point where he could roar. Um, so are we there yet? Can we get one roar? No. Oh! <laughs> that moment of silence made me think you were gonna do it. Alright, so basically... It, it has to be a good moment. I, I'm gonna put this bet out there. To the person who goes on to iTunes Review and says, gives us, you know, Please, you know, five-star review, come on. It really helps out the show for our ratings and reviews. But gives a five-star review and simply leaves this note. Atlas Roar. You do that, Atlas is going to roar, and I will send you some merch. So Ooh. just keep, keep an eye out for that, and we'll keep an eye out for you. All right, with that, let's jump into this episode of Starlight before Nathan jumps to the screen and strangles me. So... <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat>
Neuralink, access memories. Accessing. Having completed part one of Boris Dukar's tasks, the spacers leave the moon Vindicus behind as they journey to Varashta, one of the two core worlds in the XR-1 solar system. Due to the incursion and occupation of Indul by the Pelagium Pact, the spacers decide to utilize Atlas's contacts within the greater Acer family, reaching out to the Lagarty family, a subsect of the Acer family specializing in private military affairs, they are given the green light to come to their headquarters and plan from there. Along the way, the spacers pick up on a few interesting tidbits. For McKenna, whispers of her past come from the other, as she is told of a radio transmission calling all Loxodons to return to the planet without lights, a message that comes from the supposed father of the way, a Loxodon she suspects to be none other than Naguvu, murderer of her daughter, Afi Ali. And then Atlas finally uses the Christosis Shard, a relic imbued with the legend lore spell that sheds light on the Pelagium Pact's leader, Kalik of the Burning Eye. Memories retrieved. We jump in with inspiration. Inspiration gifted. Once again, not to me, not to Clive, not to Atlas, but from the Patreon to McKenna Ollie. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you for those of you who are weighing in. It makes the game extremely fun for us. Yeah, it does. All right. So you guys come out to meet this small processional. The figure that you see is middle-aged human mixed with something else. Sun splotches on a graying slash receding hairline, helmet underneath arm, and a military dress with all sorts of ribbons on them. And he has this extremely stern look until everyone comes out and an easy grin comes to the lips. Welcome to the city of Beirut. It's good to have a member of the Kashin family with us. And if I, my eyes don't, <laughs> my eyes aren't what they used to be, but uh, bringing a Loxodon here. Excuse me, ma'am. You wouldn't mind if, before you guys made your way off of this planet here, if we got a little bit of uh, one of our sculptors to come in and take on your form and add it to what we got here in the garden. and. He turns and kind of waves in arms so you can actually see the estates. And uh, you see marble statues of almost every shape and form of living thing that, that you know of in the galaxy. Enshrined in their most perfect and beautiful masculine or feminine uh, way of being. I would be honored. Thank you. Um, I am hoping you can do something to help me in return. So maybe we can discuss that at some point. Discussions are always open. Now, to business. Alice Kashin, it's good to meet you. Good to meet you. I'm glad that you found your way here to Demir. I am Sergeant Flynn, your contact here. Second Don Alessandro sent me here to talk to you and to perhaps see what your... M.O. is, 
and see if it perhaps aligns with ours here at the Lagarty family. From what I understand, and please come this way, and he starts to lead you down through the estate grounds. From what I understand is, you're looking for a way onto Endul. And with our business here at the private military of Bamir, we are in that business of moving in and out of that planet. So, what is your mission here? As of right now, I'd uh, deliver cargo for the TEDSIP, and we also have other business on the planet that requires us to get through the blockades. Hmm. Keeping your cards close to yourself, I see. Mind if I ask what the contents of the cargo it is that you're delivering, or is that also uh, under under wraps? Uh, it's under the wraps as of right now. I don't even know what's in the cargo. I just know that it's for one of the higher-ups for the TEDSIP family. Well, hmm. We can definitely get you down onto the planet, for sure. As for extraction, uh, that's, uh... That, that's gonna be something that I can't really guarantee. We can handle extraction. We need to get out. Okay. Alright. I like to hear that. Self-sufficient. And... Uh, can I just ask a question? Um, what does it look like to extract yourself from Indul right now? Because we know nothing about what's happening on the planet. Well, it looks an awful lot like having your own ship and punching a hole through the atmosphere. Now, there's a couple ways you could do that, right? You can get on the side where you don't have blockades, uh, namely towards either Kaltama, the sun, or towards Agma. Now, just traveling that far is going to be difficult, especially if where you need to go is in a one of the main sectors. So that's one way. Another way is uh, you have another force that comes in and provides herring fire, creating an opening. You extract yourself that way. Or we send someone down, again, probably with cover, and they bring you out yourself. Simple, really. So it sounds like the most secure way is to get help on the way out. Is anything in war secure? Is there a way to time when we're leaving with when another one of your extractions might be happening so you're not putting in extra effort? <laughs> I'm not extracting you. Unless, of course, you want to join up with the Lagarty family. We can talk about that. Recruits are always needed. But, of course... Well, what does that look like? Well... You don't want her. Well, that's rude. <laughs> we can discuss this later. Thank you. Uh, you're quite welcome. Um, but I can tell you that joining up doesn't happen overnight. Please, this way. And he t brings you inside one of those kind of gray buildings. And the, these huge doors open that could actually fit one of those, like, Humvee vehicles. And inside, you guys are blown away. The inside is hand-carved reliefs in the wall alabaster pillars there's not a single place that does not have color the floors are jade the ceilings have paintings and you see statues you see fountains and there is like this kind of like nice cedarwood scent you guys start walking through this space that is so expansive it makes you feel small so now i'm supposed to here take you to one of the commanders who's going to be making one of the runs in as we are going to get ready to try and provide some aid as well as 
pull out a few favors for a few folks who are finding themselves in a tight situation. So he's preparing his squadron in favor for a favor. The Kashin family and the Lagarde family are known to work together on occasion. And in this situation, I would say that we are going to be working together quite a bit. Um, when you go into this meeting, you know, keep your heads, keep quiet, pay attention. After he's done with his briefing, I'll introduce you and talk the particulars of your run-in and drop-off. You said keep your heads. Is there a potential not to keep our heads? I mean, you'll be fine, but Plick is a, he's someone who he, he, he takes discipline very highly. So speaking out of turn, that sort of thing, it's been known to rough up people here or there for that. And just because you're not in the family, I would, I would actually guess you're not in the family, which means he's less likely to hold back. Got it. Thank you. Yes. So this way. And he leads you through various brocades and hallways. And eventually you come to a place that's like labeled like a war room. And you descend into this room through these like grand steps. And you see an atrium that opens up to the outside. And you can see a massive like hologram system that has the planet Vendul floating around it. You see a half elf standing there. He's hard to tell how old he is. He's dressed very similar to Sergeant Flynn, and he is in the middle of giving a lecture to a group of about 20-ish, uh, what appear to be pilots. And he, every once in a while, he'll like point at the planet. He'll touch it. It'll like light up. It'll show like these blockades, and it'll show like all these these ships from the Pelagium Pact. And you can see like a general strategy of how they're going to strafe in, where they're going to have contact and combat, and what group's going to subvert and drop down into the atmosphere and as that closes up and everyone does what appears to be some sort of like laggardy chant they all put their hands together bow and slowly file out the man comes up to you and looks at Flynn and Sergeant Flynn I don't recognize these three ah yeah so word just came in from the boss. We are going to be running a favor for a, a member of the Kashin family. This fellow here is a berserker and his crew. They need to insert themselves into dangerous territory. And due to being in hyperspace, they missed a lot. That being said, their mission is imperative as I understand it. And they will be joining your fleet as you make your attack. And it'll be on them to pilot themselves in, but they are going to move under the cloak of your attack. So I'll leave them in your capable hands. Sergeant Flynn nods. And just as he's about to turn away, he stops and uh, raises up this like little device and it scans McKenna up and down. This is going to be perfect to add to the Garden of Humanity. I did one trade for that. You can't just take images of someone's body. I did. Because of your trade, you're getting onto the planet. <laughs> Woo. This is Atlas's trade. But fine. I do want photos of it. Please send that to me. Of course. Thank you. And then he leaves.
Captain Plitt crosses his arms, looks at all of you. He has a long, crooked nose that he's looking down over. Alright, what are we dealing with here? We all better not be fresh recruits, never having flown into a war zone before. Look at you. You're a berserker. You've dealt with this before. But how is your flying wings, huh? From what I understand, you spend most of the time on the ground. Am I going to be dealing with your shit needing my babysitting? Because if you get a single man killed, I will make sure the Kashin get you returned in a box. All of you, okay? So first things first, you are going to follow my orders, and we are going to get you in there, and you are not going to get a single one of my men killed. Captain Plick, it's nice to meet you. And I put out a hand to shake it. Well, if you want to go over the plan with my pilot here, then go ahead. He looks over at Clive and looks him up and down. <sighs> looks at the dusty clothes. What are you, a vagabond? There's not much you need to know about me. Just know that uh, I'm as good as any of your pilots, and I'll be sure <clears throat> be sure that we'll get in and out, and you won't have to worry about a damn thing. Well, that's good to hear. Now let's see if your flying is as big as your mouth. And he begins to give you the plan, Clive. Basically, they're going to create like a diversion. And in the midst of the diversion, you, will, you guys will receive a signal as you will be hanging back. You'll be using Kashin technology to help stealth the ship from radar. Not actually like hide it but it'll be like a radar jamming thing. It's a very quick installation. There's a good chance that when you're punching it into the atmosphere that it might, that the technology might get ruined. While you're holding back in space, you should be fine. We're going to be touching off here in about four hours. Great. Sounds good. Is there anything you recommend we check out around here? For belief? You saw it all, right? This place is opulent. They call it Damar. It's the Estrian of humanity. You could check that out. Enjoy. Take a look. Thank you. We're in the business of killing. So it's good to remember what humanity is. Thank you. Good words of wisdom. Atlas, remember those. The Kashin are uh, a little bit different from the Lagerty. I might have a favorite here. Now, I do have a question for you real quick, Captain, if you don't mind. Uh, Sergeant Flynn seemed pretty confident that getting to the planet wasn't going to be too hard. Extracting, however, getting off the planet. How often do uh, you see your guys come back? It's all dependent on when we need to make another run in. There are about three targets that we are looking at. A, destroying, or B, extracting. Fortunately, you're not one of those extractions of importance for us. If you lined up, say, your escape departure, you might be able to slip in with us. But, I don't know, that's hard to tell. As of right now, I don't have necessarily the information, but... Go ahead and make a... Make a charisma roll. Fourteen! I don't like the way you dress, Mr. Jensen. But talking to you, you know your shit. And so I respect that. Between you and me, I can drop you a code. If you see fire in the sky, that's likely my boys. 
you can reach out with that code and you should be able to get a hold of myself or one of my other commanders. If you can time it up with that, send that code, you'll be able to slip off with them. They won't harass you. All right, well, that seems fair to me. I can make promise that I will not give you guys or your boys any hard time as long as you can provide us a cover to get out. Say we uh, have ourselves a deal here. <laughs> like I said, it's circumstantial. I'm not going to be waiting around for when you are ready. But if it happens to be around the same time, we'll give you cover. From one good pilot to another. I appreciate that. And he shakes on it with you. So you leave Commander Plick and make your way out into this massive garden space that is located within the city of Barus. And McKenna, you've already seen beautiful sculptures and wonderful pathways, but what else do you see as you're making your way through this garden of humanity? I see the most unique plant life, especially in consideration of this drastic difference between the dark and the, the sun side of the moon, both of which are barren. So you see these beautiful, almost tropical-like plants in a very weird kind of twilight zone. And you see weird animals kind of galloping about freely, but within confines. And... You actually see that there are no Loxodonian statues. Mm. But even at this moment, as you speak, you do see a blank pedestal with an entire slab of marble. There are already multiple bots around it, slowly chipping away at it. But you're not sure what it's going to be. I just want to watch. It's a pretty pretty big slab of marble. I guess that's the, that's the one they picked for you, McKenna. Clive, go ahead and make a perception roll. 18. You see in this, like, densely forested little patch that's, it's been cultivated, but it's allowed to be free. There's a small footbridge that crosses into it over a happily burbling stream. It just catches your eyes just barely, and you're the one to see it. One of those weird animals that McKenna saw, you see leaning just out of the thicket of flowers and long draping leaves. From what you can tell, its two front legs break off at like the elbow joint into separate forearms and the hooves. And you see what looks like some sort of like horse's face, but it has four eyes and they're set sideways and it just whinnies softly, making direct eye contact at you and slowly turns into the thicket and disappears. I'm gonna follow it. I'm gonna follow it. You cross the bridge, it kind of creaks, and it smells, it smells of decaying things, like that sweet, earthy smell. You push through an overgrown patch, the leaves kind of tickling your skin, and 
the air immediately becomes damper and colder. You see the animal ahead. It is some sort of like a hybrid horse. It's gorgeous. How big is it? Probably about the size of like a war horse, so it's pretty big. But you see that the mane along the back trails off to the right side. And on the very end, it's it almost, the hair follicles almost look like flames as they kind of turn from a white into like this beautiful crimson red. And with the way the wind's hitting it, it looks like it's kind of like dancing flames. It walks slowly around another statue. This statue, however, is strange because it is many things at once. So many forms, like if it's like a Frankenstein human being with arms that don't belong in certain places. Some of the faces that are carved and they look like they're in pain, some look content. Some of the hands are pulling at the faces. It's on its knees. It's not standing regally like a lot of the other ones. But there is a bed of flowers around it, and the horse is slowly chomping at the bed. As you come closer, the horse kind of like gets a little skittish and and it, you can see its muscles ripple as you come closer. I offer the horse some, some flowers so that it doesn't run away scared. Go ahead and use a biology check. 10. You pick the plants that you think would most seem enticing to it. I'm going to use some of the ones that I see it already, that I've observed it already chewing on. You grab those and slowly, ever so slowly, it eventually comes up to your unwavering hand and allows you to pet it as it eats the plants from you. It nuzzles its head into your side and there is that strange warmth of an emotion. Happiness. Contentment. And then it wanders off into the forest, leaving you alone with this statue. Most of the statues don't have any form of writing on them, no inscription, but this one does. It has a small plaque, and the top of it is labeled Gola. G-H-O-L-A. So you are drawn to this golden plaque, and you start to read it. You read about an ode to a failed experiment that should be left alone. You start to understand that this statue is hidden away within this thing as a kind of like an actual like physical representation of things that are better left unknown. And you read about a form of being who lives many lives, who died once, and then these beings are forced into one body. And it is a form of living dead. And while they live a life where they are unaware of their past lives, there is something called being snapped. And it only happens every so once in a while. It is in, in this plaque, it is written as something that rarely happens. And most people who do snap often lose their mind altogether. But the few who do make it through unscathed, regain all of their past lives' memories. Uh, 
I was just kind of sitting there thinking on the plaque, thinking on the feelings he felt with the horse creature, still not quite fully understanding why it is that he's feeling anything at all, but at the same time, feels like for once he might actually have an idea of what could have happened, especially considering the dream that he had recently. And he records an image of the statue. He records what the plaque said. And and he will begin to make his way out of the thicket and rejoin the crew. Quiet, nervous. Seems like he may have just saw a ghost. He's just kind of lost in thought. Christ, you look like you've seen a ghost. Sir walks out carrying like a big backpack of stuff. Button up, buddy. You're only flying down into a war zone. Jeez. Now, if you were smart like me, you would be getting off this planet and going right away. Right away. Well, like I said. And he looks at him. He grabs his arm. He says, look, if you want to get off this planet, then you go find your own way off this planet. Otherwise, leave me alone. And he walks off. Jeez. Well, it's like someone's in a bad mood. Sir looks at both McKenna and Atlas and says, Well, again, thanks for getting me off of the Vindicus, but glad I could help. And uh, it's about time that I get out of here. So best of luck. I will be seeing you. Maybe never. But if I do, hey, we made a great team. McKenna is completely in awe of the statue being built um, and is not looking away but waving goodbye to him. <laughs> At this point, she's seeing her trunk being formed and she's just infatuated with herself and what's being created. Alice will just nod to him because he's just smoking somewhere. We, we have to come back here and see the finished product of this. It's not very often you get a statue of yourself built, um, and I want I want to see what comes of this. guys eventually load up the C2, fall into formation with the other ships, and make your way to Endul. Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know how many of you, Atlas, probably you, but McKenna, I don't know if you've ever flown into a, a battle situation, but things are about to get bumpy. We may or may not make it out of here, so I'm going to need everybody 
to be on their toes. I'm going to need everybody to be listening to me. And that's the only way that we're going to get this ship and the rest of us through here. Okay? You should know this is not my first go around. So, I'm I'm good. Now I get the ship all prepared and make sure that the stealth, the radar jammer is working properly. And then you fall into formation and you guys prepare for a four day journey into in duel. It's a tense time, but also kind of like that flow state time just before we are about to prove yourselves. Adrenaline mixed with peace. And eventually over that course of four days, Induul finally comes into view. From afar, the planet seems to be shrouded in great storm clouds. But as you pass closer, you can see that those storm clouds are less likely to actually be storm clouds, but veils and plumes of smog. You see massive dreadnoughts with small, almost like from afar, what looks like insect hive-like ships that are scattering and flying in all directions. You can see destroyed remains of other ships floating around you as these like hunks of metal kind of like bump off of the side of the C2. And Clive, you have your hands in the liquid. You can feel the ship tensing as the command is given. forces drop their radar jamming and they run their course lighting up attacking the Pelagium pact this battle continues in front of you many many knots away you see bright lights you see energy uh, weapons discharged into the expanse of space you pick up a garbling of transmission coming from the blockade itself and then there appears to be a hole. A hole where the forces were originally fighting, providing you a short amount of time to pilot your way onto the planet of Endul. Clive, as you ram the ship at high speed towards the planet, I need you to go ahead and make a piloting check using your ship. This is all you. Got this. Oh, 19. You push the ship forward, moving straight through the hole, and you come closer to the uh, atmosphere. You can feel the heat of it kind of like bursting up off the sides of the C2. And now you need to go ahead and move your angle into the atmosphere. So I need you to go ahead and make a second vehicle handling check. No. Ooh, yes! 21. The ship punches a hole through the atmosphere. Flames kind of like roll off the side as you move in. As you come in closer, you can see that there's a red hazy light signal that, that are rising off of the sun, off of the red dwarf. You get a better look at the planet's surface. You expect to see land formations, but instead you are met with these megalithic, near rocky expanses of civilization. Layers upon layers of city that have been built up. Skyscrapers are the norm here. Neon lights expectation. 
and below it, the forever night of the underworld. You see before you Zazeroth, the great capital of the Federation, home of the Triumvirate, and now subject to the burning flag. Atlas, will you please roll a die 100? Don't get us killed, Atlas. Alrighty. Don't pull a, don't pull a McKenna. 62. There is a fizzling as the the radar jamming that was on top of the ship kind of fries and breaks off with a <laughs> burning off into the atmosphere. Clive, I need you to go ahead and make a perception roll. 18. You see suspended just above the city another smaller contingent of dreadnoughts, about three of them, and as the C2 that was what you thought would be unseen as you move into a plume of cloud. You catch two ships break off from the dreadnoughts and come hurtling towards the C2. I'm actually going to stop the ship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to float. I'm going to suspend the ship in the small cloud. I'm going to keep it in there until I can be sure that they're either not following us or they've moved past us. Go ahead and make another piloting check to see if you pull the ship up in time as you are hurtling through. Ooh, I rolled a two. I'm going to use my inspiration. Ooh, the ship there we goes, go. Boom. That's nat 20. Everyone on board is thrown wildly across the floor as you all kind of crash as the ship comes to this complete hover. <sighs> Two bolts come flying by, <laughs> missing by the side of the ship, making it shake. <laughs> and then go ahead and roll a deception check, Clive. Nine? You just catch these two starships. They themselves are made of dark, nearly like obsidian, black, gray metal you can't see into the cockpit they have like these four wings that jut off like a bird of prey and these two turrets that seem to swivel as they enter into the cloud and make contact with you guys and I think that that's where we're going to call the game as you guys see the energy weapons start to power up oh wow we might die we're not going to die oh god (laughs) why oh my gosh that first rolling so good (laughs) and then I rolled a nine (laughs) Oh. Well, that, it was impressive. You rolled like an 18, a 21, a 19, and a 20. Mm-hmm. And then a 9. And then a 9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they rolled a 17 on their um, on their insight for that. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com.
See you next Tuesday, spacers.